Well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about today. You know, a couple of weeks ago uh, in the sermon, I, I mentioned something about routine and how routine is so important in our lives. And I, I mentioned the fact that, that your, routine, your routine needs to reflect what's important to you. And after the service and throughout the week, I had a bunch of people come up and say, well, I have questions about this. And I'm, I'm wondering, could you do something more about that? And so that, it wasn't what I intended to preach on today. But as I started to think about it and just seek the Lord about it, I felt like, I felt like he has a little more for us on that today. And then as I started thinking about that, it's interesting because I was kind of, this last week, you know, I ran into a few people. You realize we have three families with brand new babies just in the last couple weeks? You you may or may not realize that, but Shara and Corey had their baby and Clarence and Annie had their baby and Derek and Tia. And I was watching some of them and interacting with some of them this week because, you know, with VBS, I need to open the mother's room and they're doing this. And I was just watching and I was remembering as, oh, thanks, Ken. Ken likes to wave at me during church when I forget the uh, offering. Can't tell if that's a happy face or like, really, again? Okay, so if you would take the offering. Again, thank you for your, your faithfulness and your generosity. Um, go, come on, those who are serving us and taking the offering. We appreciate that. Because your, your investment like this allows us to do something like VBS and Vacation Bible School and makes ministry happen. So anyway, back to what I was saying, Ken. <clears throat> I do appreciate the interruption, though. I do. Um, as I was talking to some of these young moms, you know, one of them said to me, one of them said to me, she goes, she goes, do you remember how much one of these little blessings changes your life? And as she was talking, she was mentioning some of those things, and then I was, you know, rocketing back to those years, you know, because our first baby's 18 now and getting ready to go to college in a couple of weeks, and so, I mean, that, that was a long time ago. But as she's talking about it and, and talking about, well, you, you've got this, this routine, your whole routine is upset, and you, you have to, your routine has to function in line with what this baby needs. And so, you know, there's feedings, and they've got to be routine. And because there's feedings, there's changings, right, <laughs> that become routine. And then there's sleep patterns that, unfortunately, for a lot, aren't as routine as you'd like, right? And you don't have a lot of choice. It's, it's routine. And you've got to fall into a routine, and then your whole family has to adjust to a routine because everything works that way. And then the more routine you can get in, what happens is, and with everything in life, you start to develop more of kind of a comfort level with what you're doing. It's like, it's like the routine starts to work for you, and you're in a comfort zone because you're in routine. <laughs> we like routine. The, the human species, we like routine. The, the whole universe actually likes routine. God made us that way. There's a routine to things, and things have a certain routine, and, and it gives us comfort in a way. And actually, studies have been done because, you know, if you look at movie franchises, for instance, you know, I know there's another, I haven't seen it yet, but I know there's another Mission Impossible out. But there's a routine involved in that movie, right? I mean, not to be a spoiler or anything, you know what's going to happen, right? I mean, they're going to do some, some missions, and then stuff's going to fall apart, and then they're going to miraculously find a way out, right? I mean, that's the movie. But, but, we, but we like that. I mean, there's a comfort to that. There's a comfort in knowing that the, the heroes you like are going to make it to the end and they're going to triumph. And that's routine, but we like it. And think about the movie franchises that kind of repeat those things. You know, you got the Bond thing. You've got Star Wars. And I mentioned, I mentioned Mission Impossible. And then, and then the new stuff with Marvel, except for Infinity Wars, they kind of mess it up, didn't they, at the end there? Oh, yeah. But we like routine. How many of you go to the same gas station every time you fill up? How many of you are quick trip people? That's a lot of hands shot up quick. Boy, if you're a quick trip person, you are, okay? And when you walk in, you expect those, there's a routine, right? You expect it to be laid out. How many of you were just a little disturbed when they started doing the fresh kitchen thing? Like, they're changing my store. 
this is my store. I know where everything is. And they're moving stuff around. And, but now you're back into the routine and you like it and it's good and you feel safe. And Okay, how many of you, how many of you are such a creature of routine that you notice the same people in traffic? Or if you're dropping your kids off, you know, it's not school time now, but you start to see them and you're like, hey, they must be getting up the same time as me and walking through life the same. Because we're routine. That's how we are. And you, you, you do that and, and there's a comfort to it and, and it settles in and it feels comfortable. Did, have you ever noticed you even load the dishwasher the same? Okay, this, this is just fun. How many of you, when you open the dishwasher and it's not loaded right, you rearrange it? Wow, I didn't expect that, but I was, okay, all right, I get it. I saw this on Facebook not too long ago. Somebody had taken a picture of the egg carton, and the eggs were not arranged correctly. Anybody here with me on that? Like, if you pick it up and the whole thing starts to fall out your hand because it's all on one side, I mean, let's just rearrange them, make it more balanced. Anybody with me on this? (laughs) Oh, my gosh, we're funny. All right, all right. So, do you realize church has a routine? And we get comfortable with it, right? We do things kind of a certain way. And then we as the staff and pastors, there's times where we'll try to evaluate, is this the best routine? Is there a way to do this a little different that's more efficient or we can communicate the same or, or maybe not? Part of what we worry about sometimes is just having too many things communicated so then you don't hear anything because there's just too many messages in one sermon, your service. So we try to streamline and make things flow and... But there's a routine. Want to know something funny? Church routine actually goes across every denomination, every church, all the way back to the beginning. Did you know that? <laughs> Thank you. For the, that was rhetorical, but I don't mind the answer. That's fine. We can have a Q&A here. But you tell me, what's the routine? What do we do in church? We, we sing some songs. Let's just simplify it to sing some songs, okay? Yeah, what else do we do? We, we talk to each other. Okay, greet, greet each other. Hopefully that happens. But what else do we do? We pray. We, we, uh, we invest in the church's ministry, right? What else do we do? There's Sunday school. We get, some, we get some preaching, some words, some direction. Anything else? Announcements? Okay. Do, you may not know this, but do you realize that the early church, what they did is copied that routine right out of the Jewish synagogue. They do the same thing. There's a routine involved in everything. I'm just saying that, that there's times where you, you don't realize it, but routine, your whole life is routine. And, and you walk through these things because that's how we like it, and there's order to it, and it gives comfort. But how is it when the routine is disrupted? When the dishwasher stops working, right? And your routine is off. And when you depend on that, I mean, it's funny. I mean, some of us are old enough to remember before there was it. I was the dishwasher, Right? I mean, that's what I did every night. I mean, that was my job every night, my sister and I. And usually she would disappear in the bathroom. Like, I don't know why girls go to the bathroom for 25 minutes, but I don't want to stand there at the sink for 25 minutes. I would just do the dishes. And she caught on to that, just saying. But now when the dishwasher breaks, you're, like your whole routine is off. Like we can't function because the dishes are piled up. And what do we do? And, right? And then the car breaks down. And what happens? Well, then we got to figure out everything because your whole routine is off because you either have to, if you're blessed to have, I mean, it's first world problems, of course, but if you're blessed to have more than one car, then you got to work out rides and how are we going to get here and how are we going to get here on time and you got to get up earlier and your whole routine is disrupted and changed because one thing failed in your routine. But a lot of things are way more serious than that. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, you maybe had this happen with the AC goes out or, or worse, what if there's a sudden illness and then 
you know, food, who's going to cook and whatever, how that happens and laundry and getting to work. And what if you lose your job? That affects everything. I mean, it's not just about a routine about getting up and going to the same quick trip every day and getting the same coffee mixture and all that. It's more than that. Life has changed. Our child goes off to school or a relationship ends. And here's, here's an interesting thing about routine, though. A lot of times you look at somebody's life and you want what they have or what they've achieved, but, but you don't see the routine that goes into creating that life. Because as we've talked about, routine is awesome, but, but routine, it, it, it really defines your reality. And you may not realize that, but it does. And so, for instance, you might see somebody and they're very accomplished in their profession and you think, I want to be like that. But, but, but what you don't see is, I heard this yesterday, we were doing this training for rural pastors at the church. We just hosted it. Somebody else did it. We were just here. I'm, you know, I just made coffee and helped them in and out and whatever. But at one point, somebody asked a question and, and because they looked at what somebody had achieved and they didn't realize all the routine that goes in and making it that way. And the presenter, he's a clever guy, he said, he goes, yeah, he's a 30-year overnight success. <laughs> and you can see everybody like, what? Oh, oh, there was a routine for 30 years that made that happen. We want what's at the end of the routine, but a lot of times we're not willing to do the routine. You might, see, you know, think about these things, okay? It's just, we'll be honest for a minute, but, you know, you see someone who's, who's fit and maybe they're in the physical condition you wish you were in, but there's a routine they follow that you would have to follow to get like that, that we're not willing to follow. That means going on the quick trip theme, you would pass that donut little counter and, Right? And they're, they're doing something different. And, and the time that they're spending routine, maybe working out or, or exercising, you would have to do that. And that means you would change what you're doing to do that, to get what they have. But we don't want to do that, right? We just want what they have without going through the routine. It's funny that way, because the same goes for all these things. I mean, you see someone with a, maybe an advanced degree in education, and you realize there's a routine that got them there. They had to spend a certain amount in study and, and probably finances and rearrange things. It works that way. You know, possessions, uh, 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 achievement, you know, all those things. <laughs> you ever known anybody that maybe that you could tell their relationship with God was in a different place than yours? And you want that? Hopefully we all want that, right? But, but maybe what you don't realize is there's a routine that goes into that. Those are routine, a lifestyle routine that defines that reality that ends up with them being in a relationship with God, which is one that you would want. But that means it's a different routine than what maybe you're doing. I talked to somebody this week, and I wouldn't tell you who she is because they would embarrass her. But as we were talking, she just casually mentioned the fact that she had memorized the book of, I think it's, she said Philippians. And then because we've been studying James on Wednesday night, she goes, and then I just, I just finished memorizing the book of James. And I'm looking at her, and I want that. I want that in my life. Not, not for an achievement to, to tell. I would never even tell anybody. I want that because I want to have that kind of a relationship with God and the word where it's part of me to that degree that it's memorized like that. And I ask her. I, I didn't put it in these words, but I was asking her, what routine do you have to make that happen? Because I want that. But I know there's a routine involved. And so she's talked about it. She said, well, as I'm praying and going about doing things, I'm, as I'm walking, I, I think she was talking about it. She does it in her fitness walk time, and she memorizes scripture. 
So as, as we walked away from that conversation, I'm thinking, hey, what would I need to do in my routine to change? How could I make that part of this routine? I'm going to need to change this, to do this, to do this, to achieve that. That's a different level of, of, of relationship with God. But the thing is, your routine defines your reality. So you may be looking at somebody and thinking, I want what they have, but you can't get it just without changing your routine. You know somebody who exemplifies the fruit of the Spirit, you know, the love, joy, peace, the patience, the kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and in a, in a way that you, you wish you had. You watch their reactions to things and think, God, why, why, why am I one that just bursts in anger or, or recoils with, with selfishness at times where they seem so giving and kind and gentle and I need to be that way? What you need to understand is that just doesn't happen. Let me rephrase this. If it's not in your routine, it won't be in your reality. I know that's obvious. I know it's, some of these things, you're probably sitting here like, wait, I came all the way up and got dressed for this. That is just common sense. Yeah, I know it is. I know it's common sense. But the, the sad part is a lot of common sense isn't common. And we don't always connect the dots. And the fact is, your routine defines your reality. And if it's not in your routine, it will never be in your reality. It just doesn't happen that way. Anybody ever remember when you learned about osmosis, what that was in school in science? I had, a, I had a fun teacher. He was talking about how, you know, if you're not familiar with osmosis, when th- one, one substance passes through and is absorbed into another, and then he said, but don't get any ideas. You're not going to understand this by sleeping on your biology book. <laughs> it's not going to soak into your brain that way. Same is true with this. It doesn't just happen. You, you have to make it happen. You have to be the one to, to, to make this kind of thing happen. Now, when we're talking about a routine, I mean, you, there's a lot of things we do in life. And I was reminded of that scripture in Ecclesiastes where it talks about how there's so many things that are appropriate at different times. And let's just read it just for reference here. But for everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather stones. Time to embrace, a time to turn away, a time to search, a time to quit searching, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. Time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be quiet, time to speak. I've been told the time to be quiet is the first thing in the morning. That's hard for me, but I've been told that. Um, A time to tear, a time to mend, time to, oh, I already said that. Time to love, a time to hate, time for war, a time for peace. The, the question isn't what's necessarily, well, no, that is the question. What's in your routine? That's the question. Because these things are all matter. There's time for all those things. And I used this a couple weeks ago. If you're looking for a breakthrough, you might try breaking your routine. We all have a routine. We all have one. You're in it. You're stuck in it. You do it. And the key is that you have to intentionally adjust your routine. It doesn't happen by accident. Now, sometimes, sometimes you can't choose your routine, at least part of it, right? Some of it's imposed on us by, by maybe a job schedule or school schedule or, or maybe that baby that <clears throat> needs fed at a certain time. I get that. But for the most part, you decide what's worthy of your routine. The, the sad thing in life is how many things that we decide without deciding. Does that make sense? You don't think of it that way, I know, because that's how we are as humans. It's just you walk through, and and initially you say, well, I didn't mean for it to be that way. It's just that way. Well, you know what? 
You actually do get to choose, and now you have no excuse because you've been confronted with it. The fact is, you do decide what's worthy of your routine. You get to decide what's in there, and you put it in the order, and you decide what matters. Whether that is God, like we talked about it a minute ago, or family, or recreation, or career, or school, or for some of you, peace and quiet, and, or the mall, or the gym, or whatever, right? It's not easy to change your routine. It's not. Routine's tough. And as I mentioned a minute ago, we're comfortable with the way it is. And the fact is that everything in creation loves things to stay the same, and they fight for it to stay the same and to stay in routine. And when you start to change routine, you're going to run into things because your routine, you don't realize it affects more than you. It affects everybody around you. And when you change something, that changes something else, and then that changes, and you're upsetting everybody else's routine by you changing your routine. We've got a big routine change happening right in our neighborhood. Have you guys seen the signs on, I, on, on 470 over I-70 right down here? If you haven't seen that, you need to be aware that middle of, middle of this month, they're going to shut down that bridge. So if that's how you get here to church, you're going to have to find a different way. And there's a lot of different ways, but changing that routine is going to change everybody else's routine. The fact is, I think, I think Lee, uh, our street right out here is going to be an incredible traffic thoroughfare. I anticipate backups because that light down there, have anybody noticed they changed the timing of that light? No, thank you. Um, well, if you drove, you might, you might understand that. I know I, I, I go through that light at least twice a day, and it, they've changed the timing. It, it, they just have. I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, it, it changes my routine. I don't know if it benefits somebody going the other way. I know it doesn't benefit me anymore. And there's times where I'm sitting there thinking, did I not hit the sensor? Because something's really off. Because let's be honest, I'm there like 30 seconds longer than normal. <laughs> right? But my routine is altered, and I'm thinking, what is going on here? Something's changed. And it's, Yeah. Here's the key, though. you got to prioritize what's important. You need to prioritize what is important because your routine's supposed to reflect your priorities. And if right now you're looking at your routine and you're saying, wait, I, those things you mentioned are little things, but I think I need to change some things. Yeah, I think you're right. And let me just, to clarify this next, we're going to look at a portion of Scripture. And, and as we do that, I think there's times where people think that the Bible only speaks to the great moral dilemmas of our time, or, or maybe all you think about is the Ten Commandments and the thou shalt nots or that. But the fact is, the Bible does speak into a lot of areas. It speaks into our relationships. It speaks into the way we, we think. It, it speaks into all these things. One thing I, I want you to always remember is that God's rules and his guidance, they're always meant to protect and provide for us. He is trying always to guide humanity, to guide you into the life that he's planned for you, and it's a good life. If there are times where you're reading something in Scripture and you think, I'm not sure I like that, you need to step back and think, God, I know you love me and care about me. What is it that you're possibly trying to protect me from? Let's just take lying, for instance. I mean, this is a simple one. There's a reason he says not to lie, because what he's trying to do is protect you from broken relationships, Right? And he's trying to provide for you trust and relationship that, that's difficult to rebuild. You know how it is when you've been in a relationship with somebody and there's been a lie? It's hard to get over that. And he wants to protect you from that. And that's true with everything. So as we look at these scriptures, I want you to, to think about these things because it matters. It really does matter. It's like an instruction book. Have, have any of you been trying to put something together lately and you can tell that the instructions were not written by a native English speaker? Have you ever had that happen? And as you're reading, you're like, hmm, those are English words, but 
they're in the wrong order, and I'm not sure what they're trying to tell me. And you're reading, I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder if I should look at the Spanish one and see if that makes more sense, because I can't understand this. There's been times where I've put things together and had extra bolts, and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> Did they intentionally put extra bolts? Because that would be nice, because you drop those, sometimes hard to find, but I don't know, right? You want to follow the instructions. I had this happen once. I, I had this 240Z years and years ago, and I had it worked on with this mechanic, and as I was driving home, I, it didn't sound right. There's some things clanking around, and so I started looking around in my engine compartment, and I found, I found these, like, five bolts, and then I found these massive channel locks. I'm like, why would anybody be working on my car with channel locks? They were massive. I mean, the teeth, the, the jaws opened that big. <laughs> what in the world were they doing in here? That's not good for the... That's not the manufacturer's instructions, right? I took it to a different mechanic who would follow the manufacturer's instructions for that vehicle. God loves you, and he's given us instructions in so many areas. And I understand ahead of time that some of these things might, might seem like, God, you're kind of meddling in my life right now. But he does it because he cares about you and wants the best. So let's look at some of this. Ephesians 5, be careful how you live. You could, you could put in there, be careful about your routine, because that's how you live. You live by routine. Be careful about your routine. Don't, don't have a routine like fools, but, but like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what he wants you to do. Here's the obvious point there. He wants you to do things, and he wants you to be wise about what you put in your routine. So he says to be careful about it and do that thoughtfully. You plan it ahead of time. And I included this a couple weeks ago, and even now I thought, that sounds a little harsh, but we'll do it. Save excuses. It's not about having time. It's about making time. If it matters, you'll make time. And you already did, whether you realize it or not. So if you look back and say, well, wait a minute, it mattered, I just didn't make time, then make time because it matters. It's your choice. You get to choose those things. You're in charge of that schedule. You get to do it. God expects you to make those wise choices. I have to be honest with you about this, too. As a pastor, um, this has been an emotional week, going to hospitals and walking with people through tragedy. And there's times where as you... You know, walking through the family with the passing of Mark, you know, Merced, that's Bonnie's son, and then talking to Teresa on the phone about her dad yesterday. Life is short. It's precious. We have a very limited time. So when God tells you to be wise about what you put in your, in your uh, routine, he's doing that because he knows time is short. You want what in, what, what's in there to matter and to count and to make a difference. It matters, it matters, it matters. So let's talk about this for a minute. God actually has things for you to do. He has a plan for your life. And I know if you heard that forever. God has a plan for your life. This, this simple verse out of John, Jesus says, the thief's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy, but my purpose, God's purpose for you, he wants such great things for you, is to give you a rich and satisfying life. I talk to people a lot who are not Christians. They don't know this. They look at us like we don't get to have fun. And as I talk to them, I desperately want to tell them and show them, but you don't even know how satisfying life can be and how fun it can be. And you can, you can actually remember it later and 
you would enjoy it. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He made all the delicate inner parts of your body and knit you together in your mother's womb. And then the, the, the author says here, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. <laughs> he says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. That's your routine. The days of your life. It's not a so far, but it's your routine. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. That's the God we serve. He wants you to know that he cares about your life. He knows where you are. And he wants you to be careful about what you put in your routine. Because it matters. What you get out at the end of your routine matters. And it matters to him because he loves you and wants the best for you. That's what he wants. Look at some of these other verses. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. You only have so much time. What's the heart of God is to, have, is to welcome more and more people into relationship with him. And he chose to do that through you. And so what he's saying is, be wise in how you walk with them, how you, your routine walks with them. Look at, what the, look at this verse. Don't waste your time on useless work. This is out of the message. Uh, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose those things for the sham they are. Oh, I don't, I don't want to look at my routine and find out it was useless or waste. Let's, we're going to spend the rest of this, this time here in, in um, Ephesians 5 here. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what he's saying here? He's saying here, I want you to pursue a relationship with me more than things in the world that you think will satisfy that will end hollow. Things that you think will satisfy won't satisfy like I will satisfy. Then he says, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your routine should reflect your values and what's important to you. And if having a relationship with him is important, then it'll look like this. And he gives us a promise about that. He says, he, he says pursue a relationship with God in other words, he needs to be in your routine. If you're going to pursue him, he's got to be part of your routine. And then he promises this. As you come close to God, God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Do you get the first part, though? As you come close to him, he comes close to you. I, this is hard to imagine. Somebody told me this. Actually, it was Bonnie talking about her son passing away. And she just said, she goes, I know God loves him even more than I do. <laughs> that we say those things, it's especially poignant when you're sitting beside the bed of someone about to meet Jesus. And I thought about that, and as I was thinking about this sermon, I realized, too, he wants relationship with you even more than you can imagine. That's mind-blowing, really, isn't it? I mean, really, I mean, I'm just, <laughs> sometimes as I'm praying, I'm like, God, Really? You want to know me? Because I'm not that much. I'm not that big a deal. He's like, yeah, you are to me. You, you are to him. He loves you. Cares about you. Cares about your daily routine. He says to sing psalms and humans. <laughs> supposed to say hymns. And spiritual songs. Make music uh, to the Lord in your hearts. <laughs> Let's just get rid of the comma. Sing psalms, humans. And spiritual songs. <laughs> Sorry about that. 
<laughs> I talked to a I talked to a lady this week. She um she's struggling with her relationship with Christ, and she just said, I, "I'm doing everything I can to get close to Him." And then uh, she said, "I fasted music. I fasted music." I said, "You what?" She goes, "You know how people don't eat food? I I, I haven't listened to anything." And I said, really, what, why were you doing that? And she was saying, well, it's because music has just drawn me into so many things, and it's this and this. And I said, well, you realize there's music that could uplift and build your soul. I mean, there's things that you could listen to that would be incredibly encouraging and instructive. And, and she knew that, and she did that. And she, it's funny, she, she texted me and said, I can't believe how happy I am. It's funny how music is, isn't it? It's almost like it bypasses our brain and goes right to our heart in a lot of ways. It's almost like we can pick up the mood of the music, you know, and, the, and I, know, I know you know what I'm talking about. I mean, there's some music that's dark and foreboding and, and it just sounds, I mean, they do it in TVs and movies all the time, you know, where you can hear the drama building, dun, 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 you know, and you know something's going to happen and you're kind of waiting for it and then it shocks you and he wants us to worship him, to spend time in him and sing about him. You know what else worship does? It's kind of a funny thing. There's times where we'll sing something in a song, and, and I bet if I asked you, do you really believe that, you'd say, well, I want to. It's not quite home yet in my heart and mind, but you're saying it is. We sang about trusting him. That last song was so powerful that we trust him, even in the middle of pain and even in the middle of sorrow and confusion. And there's times where <clears throat> we struggle to do that, but there's something powerful about singing it. There's something powerful about telling us, telling him that he's worthy and focusing on him the way he deserves. And it almost, what it does is it kind of repositions because at some point in our life and, and our routine, we become the center of it all. And it's all about us and about what I'm walking through and how big my problems are. And then when you start to look away from those and me to him, you realize he's more important and it puts you in the right perspective and it kind of settles everything back down. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. He says to give thanks to ev for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Focus on him and away from us. You got to put that in your routine, though. You can literally put that in your routine. That may mean that you take other things out of your routine, but you got to put something in there that's going to be drawing you toward him and focusing on him. You get to do that. It's a beautiful thing. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to evaluate your routine. And probably as we've been talking here today, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he, the Bible talks about how he convicts us of sin and he speaks to us and teaches us. My guess is that for a lot of us, he's actually been doing that and talking to you about your routine and maybe flagging certain things that you may need to change. And that if indeed you want a relationship with him that's deeper and better, you're thinking, I need to do this then. I need to change this. And the fact is, you have to do it. You have to make a, a choice, an honest choice to evaluate it. You could ask your friends, people close to you, to help you evaluate it. You may not want to do that. Or your spouse maybe already has done that even now in church, like elbow, I don't know. I'm going to ask you to do something that a lot of us at times we don't want to do. I'm going to ask you to ask God to lead you, to actually lead you. There's this verse, it's really a prayer in the book of Psalms. It's in, in 139. 
that same chapter that, that was talking about how he's, he saw our unformed body, at the end of that chapter, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. This is the part you may not want to pray. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I know. I know some of you probably have thought, you know, I'm good with my routine. I don't need you meddling in it and don't need anybody else. And that's true because that's how most of us are. We're pretty stubborn and selfish ultimately, aren't we? We like what we're doing and we want to do it our way and only our way. And the idea of inviting anybody in to to evaluate or criticize is scary. But if you could go back just a little bit to some of those verses that I shared a minute ago, if, if God points something out, it's for your good. It really is. It's the best thing. If God were to point something out in your routine that needs changed, you've got to trust and know that he loves you so much. He wants the best for you. And that, whatever that thing is, is the good thing and the best thing. And, and it will produce fruit in you that you could never do on your own. And you've got to trust him that way. So I'm going to ask us to do this. If, we could, if, if I could have some music to, to just kind of set the, the tone here for a minute. And if I could get you guys to shut your eyes for just a second. We're in a room full of people. I know. I know we are. But I'm going to ask you to be alone with God for just a minute. Sometimes we don't want to hear what needs to change. I know that. Sometimes you need to apologize to somebody or do something that's uncomfortable. And, and I know that's tough. And, but nothing will change unless you commit to change. It just won't. So as your eyes are closed, if you just shut your eyes for a second. I'm going to ask for you to make a commitment just between you and God. I'm going to have my eyes open, but it's not so I can evaluate you. But just let me ask you, how many of you would say, I know God is good. So I'm going to ask him and I'm going to trust him to speak to me about what needs changed. Anybody here like that? You raise your hand. All right. All right. I'm going to ask you one more question then. Anybody here? Never let Christ in your life in the first place? This really hasn't been a salvation gospel message in a sense, but in a way it is. In a way every message is. Because maybe you've been sitting here and you've been hearing all this about how God loves me and cares about me and knew me before and, and routine or not, you know he's not part of your life, but you want him to be part of your life. Maybe for you it's just the beginning, but you want to invite him in and be part of your life. Anybody in here in this room like that, you'd raise your hand and say, yes, I want him in my life. He's not there now, and I want him in there. Anybody at all? I do see that hand. I do see that hand. Anybody else? I'm going to ask us all to do this together. We're going to pray a prayer together. It's simple. All, it, all the prayer does is say that we acknowledge the fact that we have not had him in our life, that we have done things that are wrong. We want him to forgive us, and we want him to come in and help us with our life. I'm going to ask us all to say it so that, so that, that that person who raised their hand and anybody else who I may have missed can pray that together. And then you will start a relationship with him that will carry on through all eternity. Let's pray that for just a minute. Father, repeat after me. Father God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done that were wrong. I want you in my life. I want you guiding me. I want you to set and determine my routine. Come in and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. 
you can open your eyes for a second. I just want to give you a couple instructions before I pray over you and, and Pastor Jeremy closes the rest of our service. Routine's good. But you always got to leave room for interruptions in your routine. Because not all of those are bad things. I don't know if you realize this, but if, if you survey Jesus' miracles, I can only come across two that weren't routine or interruptions. I don't know if you realize that. Most of his ministry was interruptions. A lot of our ministry is interruptions. Somebody walks in. I mean, in Jesus' life, it, it, it appears as if he went to the pool of Bethesda intentionally and healed Lazarus intentionally. But everything else was just... Now, of course, he's God, and I know he could make it that way, but it sure appears that not every interruption's bad. So the rest of us, though, there's things you're going to have to change and lay down. If you want your... your uh, if you want your routine to change, you have to commit to a change. And what you need to do is to pray this prayer and mean it with all your heart. It's hard to do. I have this as the tagline on my email. And I usually don't see it unless somebody responds to an email and then I'm like reread my email. <laughs> yes, what I'm talking about. And then I'm confronted with that again. And I am. And I thank God. Take a look at my life. So would you join me in this prayer? Would you join me in this prayer? Father, I pray for us, everybody in this room, for me included, every staff member, every volunteer, everybody in the sound of my voice. God, we invite you to search me, search us, and know our hearts today. God, we want to put our routine before you, and you tell us what needs to change. God, we want you to speak into it. If there's anything in our heart and mind and life that needs to be changed, that you would speak that to us right now, directly to our heart and spirit, and that you would help us to make that change. God, we want to change and be more like you. We know that it changes our routine to do that. And in Jesus' name, we pray that you would make those changes. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Pastor Jeremy.